This is Robert Wilson and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. And welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. J-Mac here, reporting live from Gale's Bakery, uh, with an oat milk latte and a vegan muffin. Today, we'll start by discussing how the team are scot-free of Ranieri Ball after our 2-1 loss to Chelsea at the Cottage this weekend. But first, thanks to Robert Wilson for opening the show. Robert made 243 appearances for Fulham across two spells, scoring 43 goals from midfield. He came through as a youngster in 1979 and became a mainstay during the famous Malcolm McDonald side who were promoted in 1982 and missed out so narrowly on a second promotion the following season. Now retired, Robert attends games as a diehard fan who mixes with the supporters before and after matches. The term one of our own couldn't be truer than for someone like Robert Wilson and we are lucky to have him. Robert was the first person actually that Fulham Focus interviewed for our Q&A series and you will find his Q&A with Danny in the archives of our Q&A section on the website fulhamfocus.com. Robert Wilson, we salute you. Right, two Matt's and a J-Mac coming right up after this. Fulham. All right. Well, look, uh, before we kick off with Chelsea, Mr. McClare, I'd like to go to you quickly for you have something to say. Yeah, so I was contacted yesterday by by an old friend of mine, Darren Salmon. Um, many of you may know him as Ferret, um, and his father sadly passed away recently. So he asked me to read a message, um, which obviously it's, it's an honour to do. So um, Darren says, my father, Malcolm Kipper Salmon, passed away on the 15th of February 2019 and was a Fulham fan of 79 years, in which time he introduced me to the club, as well as having his nephew, Ray Lewington, at the club in various roles. He's the reason I'm a Fulham fan, and I'll be forever grateful for that. It will never be the same again, though. So I think it will be fitting if we dedicate this show um, to Darren's father, Malcolm Kipper Salmon. Malcolm Kipper Salmon, we salute you. That's lovely, mate. What a lovely few words that are. Okay, right then. Let's get on to Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Um, a loss, of course, but um, let's talk about the lineup quickly. And I won't go to you, Mr. McClare, because we all know you hate them. So we'll talk to we'll talk to Mr. Dom about the lineup. So, Mr. Dom, how are you? And so everyone was in the correct position, it seems, today. Well, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, whenever. Yeah, funny that. Good evening, mate. Um it turns out, you know, when players are put where they're supposed to be, that uh, the team plays a, little, a lot better. And who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> obviously, the big one was Tom Kearney back in the middle. Um, and, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things online from people from other teams who watch the game that said he uh, he ran things for us. And, you know, I think he did. He I think he got taken off um, as a precaution. I think he, he, looked, as, he looked like he'd uh, taken a knock just before that. Um, yeah. But it, it was probably his best performance of the season be uh, aside from the uh, the Brighton game uh, second half of against Brighton um and yeah it was just much more you know, we had we had two holding midfielders uh, it, it sort of turned into more of a a fluid three in the middle really um mm. but you know we had we had Chambers and we had McDonald for defensive support and that worked really well and um 
yeah, I mean, I mean what, more, what more can you say when you play players where they're supposed to play, then we, we look better. Um, so it was, it was a really good start. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't get the result. But um, Scott Parker said before the game, he wanted to, the players to show commitment. He wanted them to leave everything on the pitch. And, and that's what we got. Um, I, I think justice would have been if Sessegnon's equaliser had stood. But, you know, it wasn't to be. Uh, but lots of positives anyway. Yeah, lots of positives, and we'll come on to uh, we'll come on to the Sessegnon offside last minute, a bit later on. Uh, Matt, yeah, I mean, would you say that pretty much every player on the pitch from that lineup just became about fifty percent better than the usual players we've seen so far this season? Who who stood out to you the most? I think yeah, Kenny Kenny looked excellent as as you guys said. Playing him in the right position seems to make make all the difference. But we know that we know what he's capable of. We saw it. Last season, the season before, albeit against inferior opposition, um, mm. once he gets on the ball, he can he can create. My only criticism of him actually um, would be that he doesn't get his shots away quick enough. He kind of he needs one or two extra touches on the edge of the box to steady himself before he pings one. Um, and I just like to see him shoot a bit earlier because I, I, I'm convinced there's a couple of goals in him this season, and I'd be disappointed if we if we go down without him at least scoring a goal or two. And so, yeah, Matt Dom, you were saying on the WhatsApp group, actually, how our intensity was completely different to this game. But is there an argument? I'm not trying to take away, put the wind out of our sails here. But is there an argument that, you know, we're all getting a bit carried away with this performance? I mean, was it that much different compared to the performance that we had, that we played against uh, Spurs, for instance, where, you know, we were right on their tails? Yeah, no, it's it's a fair point. And it was a point I was um, going to mention myself that, there's already lots of calls for let's just give him the job full time. And yes. while it was a good start, yeah, there's no need to get carried away. We we showed what we've been lacking all season. Um, and, and let's face it, it, it would have been difficult for it to have got worse. So, um, but, but, you know, credit to Scott Park, he, he did get that passion out of the players. And as you mentioned the intensity, what, what I noticed from early on is we were, we were pressing up the pitch and, that's something that was completely lacking in the last three months of the season um, where we, you know, we sat back, invited pressure and our, our you know, famously weak defence was unable to cope with it. Um, and it's just amazing how pressing high up the pitch and getting hold of the ball is, is a good alternative strategy to actually trying to defend deep because the more you have the ball, the less you have to defend. And while it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Slav terms of there's no other option than to have the ball because we're we're terrible defensively. There was there was a balance there, and I think that was evident from the first minute. Um, I was just going to come in with a question, just just on Scott Parker, and just ask you guys what you think would represent success for Scott Parker since now he's taken the job. Um, and I thought about this myself, and it's really it's a really difficult question because I still don't believe any of us know how good this squad is and what they're capable of because we just haven't seen the best out of them yet. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts uh, on that? Yeah, it is a tricky question. Obviously, staying up will be beyond all kind of, you know, no one's expecting that and it's not, it's, it's barely possible. So it's not even worth thinking about really at this stage. Um, success would be, I think, you know, we, we need to get a few wins, uh, a few a few decent wins and may, maybe a few um results against teams that we might not be expected to beat um because this whole season it's been oh you know arsenal 5-1 so what they've got good players you know go to old trafford and lose 4-1 what do we expect but other teams 
who are battling for their survival are picking up points against these teams. So some, some, you know, really solid performances and unexpected results would see me happy, to be honest. Yeah, for, for me, I, I think that success would be for the core of our fan base to get the fire back in their bellies and not go to games expecting to get beaten all the time and actually turn up and think we've got a chance of winning. And I, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as possible, but deep down, you know, I'm ex- as soon as, as soon as the ball ends up in the back of our net and we're a goal down, I don't see us coming back from it. But, you know, if, if we go a goal down against Leicester at the weekend, for example, I, I could, if we played, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if we played like we did in the second half against Chelsea, um, and there's no reason to suggest why why we wouldn't, because Scott Parker's only been in the job five minutes. Literally, he's been there a couple of days. Um, then I, I could see us getting that result. Yeah, it is. It's all the more heartbreaking. I mean, I don't like I said, I don't want to get carried away after one game, but you can see such a difference uh, from Scott Parker being at the helm and potentially even Stuart Gray being his number two. What, what's really upsetting as well is that it makes you really think. You know, if this was a decision that had been installed around the time when Ranieri arrived, it, we might be in a completely different situation. But I think we can all agree that if that team with that desire played against Saints last week, we probably would have won that game. Don't you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point as well. I, I also think now that the, the squad, it's really convenient for Scott Parker because he's saying all of the right things and um, I'm, I'm really happy that he's in charge. But the pressure is completely off the team now because we're all but relegated. So the players can go out and they can express themselves. And it, the timing is probably quite good because it, it's come at a time when we've just lost those two games against West Ham and Southampton. Um, and that, that effectively leaves us with very, very little hope of staying up. So he's come in, he's saying all the right things, the pressure's off. And I, I really think now that we might get to see what this squad is capable of or at least get a couple of wins. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I mean, I heard someone say that, you know, with Ranieri, it's almost like it was a team that was built for passing, possession, attacking style of football. And we had a manager who came in who was just obsessed with clean sheets and points and, you know, getting every point we can. And that just wasn't within the DNA of the squad that we had. And like I said, it just if we had had a sort of evolution of uh, what Slavica did instead of the complete opposite, it might be a different story right now. But anyway, that is hindsight, like I always say, is a blundful thing. I still think that it could have worked with Ranieri, but it just didn't. Onwards and upwards, eh? Yeah, and speaking of upwards, uh, Mr. Dom, did you, like myself and maybe some others, think that Joe Bryan had an absolutely fantastic game? Yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. He's had, he's been one of our poorest performers this season, I think. Um, Like like with a lot of the new players, he's, he's really struggled to get into the into the style of things and and connect with his you know his new teammates and then all of a sudden the manager's different and then we, we're asked to play a different way completely um so it, it's, it's it's been tough for him and he, ha- he hasn't really been that good but you know I think of all of Chelsea's attacking players William was by far the quietest um mm. and you know they, they, I think one of their first goal did come down his side of the pitch um and and the second one was a question of whether he went down a bit easily, perhaps. But um, but going forward, he looked decent. And you know, even at the back, it, it was one of his strongest performances because because William overall, uh, William overall was quite quiet. Um, and also, I actually think uh, Tim Ream probably had his best game this season. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with me there, but um, there were some moments where he looked like his uh, his 
composed, calm, usual self, and he was able to play out from the back, which is, um, you know, his preferred style of playing. Um, and, I, and I thought he had a great game. Uh, it's just a shame that um, Higuain is so good at finishing because yeah. that was the difference, really. I think w- overall we created more chances than them. Uh, I'm rambling a bit, but we created the better chances. And if they'd fallen to Higuain, I think we'd have won the game. It's <laughs> it kind of that was the difference in the end, just slightly more quality. Yeah. There's a moment with Tim Ream, wasn't there? I, I can't remember who um, who he tackled. It may have been Higuain, but he kind of came around the back of him and, and got his foot on the ball and really put in a, a full-blooded tackle, which was what we were used to seeing from him last season. But he, he hasn't really done much of that this season, but I'd like to think he's back. Really hope so. Yeah, me too. And I, it's, it's talking about if we had Higuain up top. Let's actually take a moment to consider... Uh, Mitrovic, uh, he, you know, Mitrovic is without a doubt our Greek warrior up front, and just you know, we we all love him to bits, and we wouldn't be in the Premier League without him. But it it is getting so frustrating sometimes now just to watch the the amount of chances that he has fluffed slightly. I mean, I'm I'm not saying fluffed; it wasn't like it was off target, but just that header. Oh my god, if that went in, I mean, we you were there, Matt. It must have been absolutely. I mean, what was the crowd like for that moment, or in general? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone thought he'd scored. It's not the missed chances so much um, that were frustrated. He had that one in the first half, didn't he? That was almost a half chance because he hit it with his almost with his back to go and bought a, a great save That's out right. of Kepper. Um, but there was a moment when when he was kind of bringing the ball towards the Chelsea goal, and Sessegnon was in a fantastic position, and it just needed a little. Uh, dinked through ball and Sessegnon would have been in and he didn't and he, and he took it on himself and put it over the bar and it, it was a good effort um, but yeah. I think Sessegnon was better placed probably if he'd have just got his head up and, and played him in. Just, I was just going to say do we think um, I noticed in the, the kind of Ranieri era if you can call it an era it was just a few months but um, Mitrovic was almost having to be creator and finisher at the same time because there was just there was nothing up with him he was he was getting onto the long uh, the, the long balls and creating the chance himself and also having to try and set other players up and i think against chelsea he was almost, he was slightly in that mindset again there were a few times where he he found himself crossing the ball and he really needed to be the one on the end of it um so i i think if we once he gets back to just kind of leading the line i think we'll start to see him put away some more chances again but if anything he's guilty just slightly of of trying to do too much. I don't know if you agree with me, but that's kind of that's what I saw from from him on, against Chelsea. We've relied on him so much though this season, haven't we? For goals, it's just been him or nothing really, because nobody's nobody else has really chipped in consistently. Um, and I wonder whether, because Scott Parker was a central midfielder who did weigh in with a few goals, I wonder whether he'll be able to inspire some more goals from midfield. I mean, we saw yesterday Chambers got one unmarked at the back post, bang one one. Um, mm. And, you know, like I said, I want to see more from Kearney. I want to see some goals. I want to see some from Sessegnon. Um, Seri, if he gets back in the team, and Anguisa, to all these players, need to help out with goals because it can't just be down to one man, especially when that one man is getting next to no service and, like uh, like Matt Dom said, having to create the chances for himself regularly. Let's quickly talk about Scott Parker and his influence, actually. And this is something that makes me even more inspired that he could potentially get the job if the results like this, well, performance like this keep on going, is that I think Callum Chambers is actually slowly becoming my player of the season uh, due to his work rate and commitment in the middle of the pitch and also just how, how 
intriguing it is that someone who started as a right centre back, who Scott Parker is sort of, well, as Ranieri quotes, has nurtured into becoming this sort of centre defensive midfielder and doing such a great job at it. I thought Callum Chambers was exceptional, actually. Probably actually my man of the match. What would you think about that, Dom? And also, it was good to see K-Mac with him. I thought they actually looked quite good together, no? Yeah, Chambers had an excellent game. I mean, I, I saw his um, his heat map earlier. Uh, I saw it earlier today and he was he was all over the pitch and that kind of confirmed, I think, what we all saw when we were actually watching the game. Um, but... <laughs> I, I kind of the, it's hard to hard to explain. I kind of see it as we we're sort of playing two defensive midfielders where we should have one who's good enough to do the job of two players. If that makes sense, we've got we've got K Mac who is um, sort of sitting just in front of the back four and spraying passes left and right to to get it out of defence. Chambers was running all over the place, but. I felt like we missed just that kind of that link between Tom Kearney and the, and the defense, which which I think is what Seri brings when he plays. So what we gained in a kind of defensive contribution, fair enough. Uh, Chambers was getting forward at the same time. I think we just we just almost lacked just a tiny bit more creativity that we could have had from Seri. Um, and I think I think I'm, I'm being I'm being a little bit harsh because Chambers was excellent, but I just don't see. I don't quite see him has he he needs five to ten percent more in his passing for me, and then he then mm. he'd be as, as a super a superb player, and we could probably play him on his own. Yeah, unfortunately, he's going to be a superb player for somebody else because there's no chance in hell we're going to get him if well if and when we go down. Um, it's wouldn't you wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I I just I think he I think he's been fab, and I've got to say as well, it was great to see K Mac back there and just you know he almost like. It was like old days again, him running the show and just barking orders at everyone. It was really nice to see. I know Kenny is the club captain. But... Yeah, Tom Kenny obviously is the club captain, but I think we all we all knew, and we've said it before, uh, K-Mac is a leader on the pitch when he plays. And um, I think that's part of what um, Scott Parker was talking about, about um, you know, really bringing back that kind of passion and that commitment. And that really is K-Mac all over. He, he got his, uh, his standard booking, had to come off because of that um mm. and he's just he's just a shade too slow to be you know a really really good player at this level and that's 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 a shame but he's certainly got a role to play and, uh, and I'm really happy to see him back in terms of the the passion that, that Scott Parker is is installing already as well um you know all the all the players came over to us at the end again yesterday and Parker came over at the end um, and this for me, I know a lot of people are disagreeing. A, people, a couple of people said to me yesterday, actually, I just I, I don't mind him staying until the end of the season, but I don't want him to stay beyond the end of the season. And I thought, I, I think that's a little bit harsh because for me, this is a, a 10 match interview effectively. And if things go well, yeah. then it'd be very difficult not to give him the job. Um, there's an obvious comparison to when Chris Coleman took over and also Kit Simons to an extent. Um, but when Coleman took over, he inherited a decent squad from uh, Tigana um, and kept us up in 2003. And whilst we're in a much worse position than we are now with a lesser team, um, it's kind of a similar situation. An ex-club captain um, who knows the club already, who's taken over and just see how things go until the end of the season. Um, and I've said in the past, I think that we need to reassess the situation in the summer um, and you know decide upon what our playing style is going to be before deciding who we're going to appoint as manager. But I, I think most people would agree that we favour a, 
uh, a passing style at this club. And Scott Parker seems to favour that passing style too. And if that's what he can implement, um, then I really wouldn't mind and I certainly wouldn't be averse to him being appointed if things go well between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and with what Park is saying as well, like restoring Fulham's identity of that passing style and attacking mentality, uh, his rhetoric is already winning me over uh, in the hope that he can actually prove a lot of people wrong and uh, get the job. But obviously, we need the next few games to see if our performances keep on being like that. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of think it's really, it's really difficult for him to actually fail. As 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 weird as that sounds, it's kind of. He can't keep us up. No one's expecting him to keep us up. If he keeps us up, he gets a job, obviously. But yeah. if you win three out of the remaining nine, is that good enough to get? It, it goes back to Matt's question earlier. You know what? What is seen as as success? If you win three out of nine, it, it's almost harsh not to give it to him because you know what more could he do? Um, and it, it's almost like we we we're going to improve just because the players really didn't buy into Ranieri, and you could kind of sell. You can kind of tell that from some of their comments and, you know, Kenny's um, comments after the game against Brighton and that kind of thing where it, where he sort of suggested the players took over and that Parker took over. And it's almost like he's going to have to lose all nine badly to not get the job, I think. I, th- um, I think it depends, you know, if we win a couple of games, great. But I think in the matches that we're undoubtedly going to lose, I think it depends how we lose. Because if we lose with dignity and we put up a fight then I don't think that that will do him any damage whatsoever because we've still got some really tough games coming up, you know, Liverpool, Man City at home, which undoubtedly we're going to lose. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. But but also, I think passion, commitment can only go so far, you know. It will be mm. effective, I think, early in uh, Scott Parker's career because at the moment, well, that's all we've got to go on. But you, in the long run, you know, has, has he got the right kind of um, tactical knowledge and does he know how to turn things around if they start going badly that kind of thing that that's what we won't know in the long run until the long run and we won't we won't know you know in his 10 game audition as you call it so um, yeah it's really difficult to say well yeah let's talk about his tactics then I mean the substitutions he made um, a lot of people giving a little bit of grief was given slightly about him bringing Kenny off but I don't think people saw that Kenny actually was like pulling at his hamstrings a little bit. Um, so I think the Kate, that was just a precaution move rather than, you know, this guy's terrible, get him off. Um, so, I, I mean, his substitution seemed good. And I mean, they, they seemed, it was good to see Flor Aite come on and actually thought he looked quite decent. But I mean, he hasn't played for so long. He's probably up for showing a lot of people a good time, to be honest. I, at mean, the I, I don't uh, really think he's um, a Premier League quality player, but I thought yesterday was the best I'd seen him play in a long time. And all right, we haven't seen much of him this season, but he's been brought <laughs> on um in into midfield in the past this season and it's almost kind of been crowded out but yesterday he seemed to have a bit more space and, and he looked yeah. quite exciting I've got I quite enjoyed watching him play well if Mitro scored that goal that yeah. one would have, would have been one of my favorite assists ever <laughs> yeah, it was absolute class lovely it was class clean, wasn't it? yeah 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 I'm glad we mentioned assist actually because that's going to be in the quiz later on all right and just finally I mean we could talk about taxes and stuff. And I just want to just get down to the nitty gritty here and I'll go to you, Dom. Do you think we deserve the point out of this? And we can link this with the Cess offside goal and your thoughts on that too. Yeah. I don't think anyone could argue that we wouldn't have been good for a point if we'd got it. Um, 
all this season we've pretty much got what we deserved, which is being beaten most games because we've been rubbish. Um, <laughs> and it, it, was, it was a bit sad, given everything, given how Scott Parker's first game went, given how every player gave 100%, given how loud the crowd were, and given the, you know, the fact it was a, a home derby against your, your local the rivals. The crowd were amazing, kind of, Yeah, it, all those things. And then to have that goal, which was... I don't care what you say, that that linesman hasn't seen the second touch that actually played him offside. There's no way he's seen it. So from his point of view, I think he's given it from the first touch, which which Cessna was onside. And yeah, we deserved a point. We really did. Well, I thought Cessnion, I mean, this is maybe a bit controversial, but I was actually getting a bit pissed off with Cessnion throughout the game. I know that's sacrilege, and, but I thought he looked quite sulky. I thought every bad move he did, he sort of gave that extra two seconds of complaining or sighing or huffing and puffing. And I, I, it really bugged me until the last second where I thought he scored the goal. And I just thought, all is forgiven. Come here, my boy. But Matt, did you think up until that point, Cess looked, he had pace, but I thought he looked a bit sulky. Or am I just imagining this? I, I didn't pick up on it, to be honest. Um, Damn it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought he had a, a reasonable game, especially for somebody who apparently isn't fit, according to... Uh, the previous manager, but well, he's know, quite he, handsome. He's, <laughs> yeah, he, he um, he's he's flattered to deceive this season. He's had quite a, a stifled um season in and out of the team, and it's and it's been a shame for him. But I expect he'll he'll play between now and the end of the season. And um, mm. again, I, I expect him to chip in with a couple of goals. And I, I hope this is his time to shine this season. Um, not too much because if we go if and when we go down, I think. Um, there'll be people sniffing around him and if he has a good end to the season then it's obviously going to leave a, a lasting impression on on the other teams who, who could potentially make a move for him um, but I hope I hope he does just enough to to make us forget that he's had a, a quiet season so far but not too much so that people don't come circling around him in the summer yeah and just finally before we get on to the Parker rating we're gonna get have to get used to saying that Parker rating I'll just go to you Dom and, and Beclaire afterwards if he has something to add um just a, a Danny Boy conundrum there was a tweet that he gave out and I actually supported this tweet because I just found it like this could be I remember the guys of FIFA deciding whether or not they might actually one day abolish the offside rule and I think that's madness but th- there was this is Danny's tweet I just want to know what you think of it I don't get the rules in football. For a ball to be out of play, the whole ball needs to cross the line. But for an offside, it only has to be the arm or the big toe. Surely offside should mean daylight between defender and attacker. The two rules contradict each other, don't they? I mean, some people have replied to this completely unjustly, in my fucking opinion, just saying basically how this is, you know, it's it's not relevant at all, what Danny Boy is saying. But I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's relevant in not necessarily the ball over the line thing. That's that's kind of a good way of sort of making making the connection, really. But Hmm. in the 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 fact is that any part of the body that you can score with, if that's offside, then the player is offside. But it is that combined with um, you know, is he is he going for the ball? Is he interfering with play? All that kind of stuff. It it makes the whole rule difficult to judge. And even after the game, you know, you're discussing the discussing at the pub or whatever. It's still people can't agree with the consensus. So it's it's almost like call it the daylight rule or whatever but it should be if a player is clearly offside then give it offside because i don't care what you say Cessnion wasn't clearly offside and with a bit more leniency and a bit of an advantage going to the attacker 
those sort of things get given and they do get given even even with the rules as they are so yeah mm. I, I do I do agree with Danny to an extent yeah I've got to say from my vantage point in row OO behind that goal he was clearly onside <laughs> oh really that's what, we, that's what we all thought anyway that um, it, just speaking Sorry. of rule changes, just really quickly, I, I noticed um, a story this week where they've announced a few rule changes for next season. One of which is when you're being substituted, you leave the pitch via the nearest touchline to you and don't go to the technical area. So that should speed things up a little bit because there's nothing worse, is there, when you're chasing the game and the opposition make a substitute and then they walk from one side of the pitch to the other. So now yeah. they can just get off the closest the closest to where they are and... Um, and we can get on with the game. Of course, you know it, it, it might um, it might hamper us at some point when when our, when we want to waste some time. But yeah, I, I thought that was quite a good good improvement to the laws actually. Just randomly. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I also saw that they were changing. They're looking to change one about um, handball, isn't it? No rebounds. Yeah, had the handball one. Yeah, uh, if it if it hits the player, whether it's um, deliberate or not, and goes in, it's disallowed, which I think is good. But also mm. for penalties, um, where no rebounds are allowed, it's essentially a, a dead ball. So if it goes out off the keeper, it's not a corner and no one can tap in the rebound, oh. which I think personally is ridiculous. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really see I don't see what, what advantage that is whatsoever. Oh, I don't know if I like that. I don't know whether it means a defender can clear it or whether it just means it's oh, a yeah. goal kick or whatever. But I I, I just saw that uh, as a as a silly rule change. But um Yeah. Um, but yeah, change the upside one for sure. Yeah, them times they are changing. Uh, right. I don't know why I said that. That was a random thing to say. All right. Okay, guys. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do. Uh, what should we do? All right, guys. Well, let, let's have um. Let's have a quick Parker debut rating from you then, and uh, just your closing thoughts on on him, if you have any. Matt, what what what, what do you what do you give him? I'd give him a seven. It's a decent start. Yeah. He, he said he was going to galvanize the squad reunite the the squad with the fans um and and he definitely did that and and it was a reasonable performance as well um i think there's plenty more to come but you know i don't i don't think i've given anybody slav or um or rani area a seven or a higher this season so yeah I, I, i'm happy to give him a seven i think he deserves it yeah nice one it, it is weird isn't it i'll go to you Dom. now like just actually how everyone this is probably the most happy any Fulham fan has been from a 2-1 defeat to Chelsea or any team that I can recall. It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, very strange. And strange, I'm going, I'm going to give an eight, riding high off the kind of the wave of positivity that's come out of the game. Um, a nine would have been Cessnion's equaliser, which I guess isn't already anything to do with Scott Parker, to be fair. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, an eight, because what I really enjoyed about the game, what I thought was really good, was that in the second half, they came out much stronger than we did. And it looked for the world like oh, they're just going to score early on in the second half here and wrap up the game. But after about 15, 20 minutes of that second half, we we galvanised ourselves and his substitutions helped with that. Um, and we really got back on top of the game and took it to them for the rest of the game. And as we, we've, we've discussed, we, we deserved more out of it. Um, and I, I think that's the most consistently good 90 minutes we've had all season we've had some good halves previously uh first half against brighton at the amex second half against brighton at the cottage for example um but consistently over the 90 minutes i think that was the best we've played nice and i'm, I'm gonna give him an eight 
just because I'm a bit I'm a bit loved up at the moment. I'm a bit I'm getting I'm getting in the mood, and I've just got this feeling. I've got this feeling that he's going to be very successful for us. And there's just something surrounding the whole. The, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a media darling at the moment. A lot of ex players and professionals saying how oh, he was always meant to be a manager. Alex Ferguson gives him a text, all this sort of thing. I'm I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get too caught up in it, but I do have a good feeling about this, and I did want him for quite a while just to try and replicate the Darren Moore situation at West Brom. So here's hoping that he can do some good stuff onwards and upwards. Fly over it, Scott. Yeah, nice. I loved it when he did that. Some people yeah. think it was a bit cheesy, but I thought it was wicked. I loved it. All right. I loved it. It was it's fantastic. Good. Yeah. All right. Fly over it, Scott. What a great way to end. All right, guys. After this, we're going to have the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back. And the reason you heard that lovely bit of interlude music is because it is time for the quiz, the famous Danny Boy quiz. Now, my lovely mats here, they can get a total of 13 points each. But if you're playing along at home, you can get a total of 21 points each if you're playing along at home. All right, we'll start with round one, which is my favorite new round. It's called Who Made the Assist? Now, I'm going to mention goals that Fulham have scored over the years. All right. And your job is to tell me who assisted the goal with the final pass to the goal scorer. Okay. So you have two sets, three home goals and three away goals. Who wants to go home and who fancies going away? Uh, Mr. Beclair, because you're alphabetically the superior, Matt, right now, you choose home or away. Which set would you like? Let's, let's go away. All right. Let's go away. Home and away. Okay. Let's do it. Away. All right. So goal number one. For you, Pavel Pogremniak versus Mark Hughes's QPR side in the one nil win at Loftus Road. Who assisted? Oh, I've got, oh, I've got to say who assisted it. Great. Yeah. So that was 2011-ish. Um, Danny Murphy. Can't remember. It was Musa Dembele the fourth with a cheeky back heel, mate. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. All right, now I will go to you, Mr. Dom. Your goal at home is. Tom Kearney's equaliser at the Hammersmith end versus Leeds in 2017 in the 95th minute. Who assisted that goal? Oh my God. Um, uh, Ryan Fredericks. The answer is Sonny Aluko, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. No worries. It is a tough round, but it's quite fun at the same time. All right. All right, Matt Beclair, your next away goal is Inamoto's goal versus Man United in the 3-1 win at Old Trafford in 2003. Oh man, I th- I think that was Steve Malbronk. It was Steve Malbronk with the through ball. That is a point for you, sir. Well done. All right, Dom. Next goal for you for the home section is this. Zoltan Gira's bicycle kick in the 2-0 win over Man United in 2009. Who assisted? Oh man, I remember that goal. Um, I want to say Eric Neverland. It was Andy Johnson, I'm afraid, in a one-two move. I'm sorry. It sounded like you were going to go for that second time. Never mind. All right. (laughs) And And finally, the final goal for you, Mr. Beclair, from the away section is this. Goal number three. Floyd Ayite versus Norwich in the last minute. We won 3-1 and played the whole second half with 10 men. Who provided the assist for Floyd? I can remember the goal. He walked it in, but I can't remember who gave the assist. Chris Martin got sent off. I'm going to say Tom Kearney. It was Lucas Piazon, I'm afraid, in a one-two move. One-two move, I'm afraid. But 
never mind. You've got a point from that. Let's see if Dom can join you getting a point from that round. All right, final final goal for you, Dom, from the home section. Goal number three, Brian McBride's header at the Hammersmith end versus Birmingham in the last home game of the Great Escape. Oh, jeez. Who uh, assisted that header? I think... It... <sighs> no, I don't know. I, I guess they... Jimmy Bullard. <laughs> it was Jimmy Bullard with a free kick. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. That's excellent. That's excellent. So that means you both have one point apiece from that round. Excellent. So it's one all. Right, guys. Now we have back and forth. Uh, five guesses each. So your job is to name the players that have scored for Fulham at home, at home against Manchester City in the Premier League era. All right. Name the players that have scored for Fulham at home against Manchester City in the Premier League era. There are 13 to choose from here, okay? Right. So, uh, Matt Dom, you can go first. Um, Steve Malbronk. Steve Malbronk is correct. And for you, Mr. Buckner? Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy is correct. And for you, Mr. Dom? Uh, Louis Sahar. Louis Sahar is on the list. And for you, Mr. Buckner? Hamabuatsa. Amabuatsa is indeed. And for you, Mr. Dom? Um, I'm going to go, go for Amorte. Amorte is on the list. And for you, Mr. Beclair? I'm struggling now. I am struggling. Mm. There are 13 to choose from. Uh, sure there are. Um, let's go for Thomas Radzinski. Thomas Radzinski is not on the list, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. And Mr. Dom? Going to take a part with Collins John. Collins John is not on the list either. This is tense. Okay, cool. And another guess for you, Mr. McClare. Fourth guess. Um, let's go for. It has to be a Fulham player, doesn't it? It I'm does. Thinking of that, that Vincent Company own goal that he scored. That outrageous. Well, one. hold on, hold on. You could name players that have scored for Fulham. It doesn't I'm necessarily say Vincent Company. Point. Let's go Vincent You're Company so then. Clever. You're so yeah. clever. Vincent Company with two own goals is absolutely correct and on the list. Nice one. All right, Matt Dom, you have your final guess, sir. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey is not on the list, oh, I'm afraid. Man. I'm so sorry. All right, okay. And final guess for you, Mr. McClare. I think Jimmy Bullard got one. We certainly did. He did get a goal. He is on the list. So you got four from that round and Dom got three. So the scores at the moment before the final round are Beclair is on five and Mr. Dom is on four. Excellent. Five, four. All right. So plenty to play for in this final round, which is, as we all know, guess the player. Now, you know how it works. Who who were the other ones? Who got the other goals? I'm so glad you asked, because I completely would have forgotten otherwise. Excellent. No. So you had uh, Carlos Bocanegra, uh, Simon Davies, uh, Jimmy Bullard, who I think was mentioned by you, I'm not sure, Zoltan Gira, Bobby Zamora, uh, Mladen Petric, and Kieran Richardson, of the people that you did not mention. All right, guys. So round three, guess the player. You know how it works. Ten facts, and fact one to two is five points. Three to four is four points. Five or six is three points. So on, so forth. I read them out slowly. I freeze you. We'll find out if you get it. Matt, it's in your interest. Matt Dom, rather. There's two Matts for you to get. Well, it's just in, in your interest to win it, obviously, because it's a quiz. Okay. Fact number one. Since retiring 
This player has been on TV on numerous occasions as a TV pundit. Fact number two. Despite making 220 appearances for Fulham, he made over double that for another English club. Okay. Oh. Uh, Go on. This is the five-point mark, sir. What is it? Man, I'm, I'm going to say Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy, I'm freezing you there. Potential five points for you there, Mr. Beclair. All right, number three. He played at the 2006 and 2010 World Cups. Number four. He has won the Premier League. Not oh. Danny Murphy then. No, no sorry. <laughs> Was that a okay, sigh of pick no, me? No, pick me or... Okay, no, cool. No. <laughs> Fat number five. He was voted Fulham's player of the season in 2008-2009. Won the Premier League. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> Fat number six. Ridiculous he suggestion. Is, <laughs> he, has been, he has been managed by four ex-England players in his career. Hodgson, Venables, Southgate, and McLaren. Why can I not get this? You need to soon, otherwise you're not going to win. Fat number... Do you want to freeze or do you want one more fact? No, 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 one more, one more, one more, one more. One more, one more, for God's sake, one more. Fact number seven, he is six foot four tall. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, I'll have to go have a guess, but I don't think it's right. Oh, God. Do you, do you want to just... <laughs> okay, I'm going to freeze you there. He's won the, he's won the Premier League. Six foot four, okay. Fat number eight, you're gonna kick yourself. You really are. Fat number eight, he didn't score any goals. Fat number nine, he is the seventh on the all-time list of Premier League appearances. Van der Sar, isn't num- it? Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> fat number ten, he has 109 caps. Here we go. Wait for it. For Australia. Oh, oh man. Yes, yes, yes. Leicester. Mark Schwartzer, take a bow. There you go. Mark Schwartzer. Oh, that, that Premier League win. I think he Absolutely won it for Chelsea as well. He did. He, he won did the Premier League for Chelsea. Yeah, he's won it twice. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so, no points for either of you there. Um, I would say bad luck, but that was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, really. I just don't know what just to say. bad knowledge. Just bad knowledge. Just... Bad knowledge team. Excellent. Okay, so, Beclair, you have won this week. You have absolutely won. And as a present, we are going to give you a frying pan with the Chelsea badge on it in homage to the ultimate tossers that they are. Go and make yourself a pancake, which is likely to be as flat as the Chelsea away sport. Go on, sir. Fantastic. I'll toss that straight in the bin when it arrives. Very good. Very good. Very good. Oh, man, pancake day. Big day. All right, that's tomorrow if you're listening live, but... No, you're not. So it's, it's probably Pancake Day now if you're listening. Excellent. All right, guys. After this little interlude, we will then talk about Leicester really briefly and a certain ticketing problem. It's two steps forward, one step back with this club at the moment. Fulham. And welcome back. I think it's one step forward and two steps back. I might have said that wrong. It doesn't matter. Anyway, let's talk about Leicester. Um, right. So Jamie Vardy's injured and we played very well. Uh, in the last game against Chelsea, even though we lost. And Brendan Rodgers lost his first game against Watford. So there is there is potential that we could win this game, wouldn't you say, Mr. Dom? Yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting us to win this one, to be honest. Um, I just, 
we haven't won away from home yet. As you say, they've had a bit of a slow start. They look terrible against Watford, whereas we look really good against Chelsea. Um, I think it'll be pretty much the same lineup, um, pretty much the same um, passion, commitment drilled into the players. And yeah, I can see us. I can see us uh, see us winning it, to be honest. And then you know, hope will rear his ugly head again. <laughs> you know, we will we, have gone from oh, it doesn't matter anymore to uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> Might we have a chance? But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think we've got a decent chance. I mean, if we're going to win any away game, why not be one of the teams that's uh, in in really poor form? Yeah, quite. And this, I mean, the other thing we need to start. I mean, we can only start really daydreaming if Saints and Cardiff keep losing their games the way they have recently. Uh, but Claire, what are your thoughts on Leicester? And actually, the ticketing thing that's just come up recently. I only learned about this today from you. You messaged me what was going on. So what what exactly is happening right now? So my understanding is that. We took an allocation of tickets for for the King Power, um, and they were selling okay. Um, but we have sent a load back and taken them off sale uh, for Leicester to sell to their own supporters. So they, Fulham, obviously thought that we're not going to sell out uh, our allocation. Um, yeah, in, instead of instead of a, a message to the supporters to say, look, come and buy some tickets, get behind the boys. They just sent them back, and I think we're taking twelve hundred fans up there, which which is fine. But I I would have preferred to take more because you know this week what with what with the news and the renewed optimism, I think we'd have sold a few more this week. And even if we hadn't sold out, I know the club have to pay for any tickets that we don't sell. But even if we sent five hundred back, it's what's that fifteen hundred quid a thirty thirty quid a ticket? It's not going to break the bank, is it? Matt, what are your thoughts on this, mate, with the ticketing thing? Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that last point. I mean. I just don't see why we don't take up the full allocation. If we don't sell it, give it back. Because if if nothing else, it then gives the home team less time to actually sell those tickets as well, which can only work in our favour or our away fans. It's but, not a big hit for the club financially, is it? Um, so, yeah, it's a shame there's, there's a lot of people who want to go who can't make it. Because at this point, my maths, they, my make, maths a, is they wrong. make a big difference. My maths is wrong, guys. I'm sorry, I can't add up. It's still not much money, though. 500 tickets at 30 quid each isn't 1,500 quid. It's 15 grand. But even still. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's quite a bit of a miscalculation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's sure. like half, a, half of Mitrovic's leg for a week or something like that. It's not much, <laughs> is it? Yeah. If that, to be honest. And so Brendan Rogers, Mr. McLean, he's having a bit of a shaky time on his first game back against Watford. A lot of Celtic fans are happy about that. And I'm sure they'll be happy if, if we can do him one as well. What, what are your thoughts on Brendan Rogers in this game? Or in general? Yeah, my, my thoughts in general about Brendan Rodgers, I don't really have an opinion either way. But uh, in, on, in terms of this game, their fans will be up for this because they, they seem really excited that they've managed to poach the Celtic manager, um, a guy who came really close to winning the Premier League with, with Liverpool. And of course, uh, a manager that they've had recently, a certain manager, did win the Premier League with them. So I think, I think the atmosphere is going to be good. I think their supporters, in much the same way that we were this weekend, um, will, will be rejuvenated. Um, the 1,200 of us who are who are travelling up will will make a bit of noise for Fulham as well, and I think it'll be a good atmosphere. Um, obviously, I hope that that we're the ones that come away with the smiles on our faces, um, and and I think we will be. But I I, I think most weeks I, I predict a win for Fulham, and this week's not going to be any different. I'd say it's going to be three-one Fulham this week. Three-one Fulham this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy not. And what about you, Mr. Dunn? What are your score predictions for this one? No, win and a clean sheet for me, 2-0. No yeah. Vardy, so uh, we don't have that much pace to worry about. 
which usually causes causes us havoc. Yeah, uh, why not? Two 0 Interestingly, Vardy didn't play in the game at the cottage in December, and uh, that was one of Ranieri's first games, wasn't it? But we should have won that game. We were winning right up until about fifteen minutes to go, and they they brought on um, was it Okazaki, um, and and he created a chance, and they scored from it, and that was that. But all the way through that game, I really fancied us to win. I, I couldn't see us not winning. Yeah, um, that goal so was really I, annoying as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We just yeah. backed off and you could score. You just, just put into back of net from 20 yards out. It was really, really avoidable. Yeah, and, and then we'll get the opportunity to renew our uh, our relationship with Casper Schmeichel as well. When we were singing, you're just a shit Peter Schmeichel to him at the cottage earlier in the season. I enjoyed that one anyway. <laughs> yeah, it might be a bit too close for home for him as well. He, he's made a couple of blunders in the last uh, last game or two. All right, it'll be, wow. it'll, be in good, it'll be in good company then. Yeah, our, exactly. Our, our goalkeeper as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know we, we haven't really spoken about Rico on this show. Were well, you um, on the TV but... recently, Mister McClare, Weren't you with the, <laughs> the strapping lads from Fulhamish? How like how was that, by the way? Were they all nice lads? Yeah, they they were top lads. Yeah, it was great. It was good fun. Nice one. Um, and we we spoke a bit about Rico, and they they disagreed with me. And I, my my point on on their show was just that I, I think. I don't think Rico is a Premier Premier League quality goalkeeper, and we've had a, a lot of good goalkeepers at Fulham over the years. So I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a bit spoiled. You know, we've had Van der Sar, Schwarzer, um, Mike Taylor. We're, we've been spoiled by a, a long, long um, history of, of great goalkeepers, and this guy just isn't in the same league. And I take, I mean, Matt Dom texted me yesterday to say uh, what a great save it was that Rico made in the in the first half from Higuain, and it was a good save. But I think it looked better than it was because he he tipped it over the bar with the top of his arm. It was a strong arm, but I still would have expected him to save it. Um, and he's had a couple of shaky games recently. And uh, every time the ball's played in to the box from from the wing, I just get nervous. I get nervous that we're going to concede because he doesn't command his box. That's kind of my problem with him as well. And he's 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 punch happy rather than trying to catch it. And I, I don't like that in a goalkeeper really. But I think credit where it's due. That I think that save was better than than you're making out to be honest. Because uh, it was pure reactions to to get down and quickly get down and get an arm across to stop it because. It was flying into the bottom corner. Um, I don't think he could have done much about the two goals. So I don't think against Chelsea he did anything wrong. We, we, I've questioned him lately along with everyone else. But I think I think on on Sunday he was decent. So I think credit where it's due for Rico. But, you know, he didn't do anything like uh, Kepper did and drop it to Ryan Babel, did he? Which um, oh, uh, gosh, yeah, We haven't even mentioned uh, that, have we? No. Oh, if Babel uh, had just, no. been, just turned around slightly quicker, then we'd have, we'd have had the ball in the net for 1-0. Bloody hell, wouldn't your luck's out? But he made some outstanding saves as well, didn't he? I mean, some outstanding saves, annoyingly. Or poor finishing. It depends on where you look at it. I think that Mitchell, yeah, Hedder, for example, should have gone low. If it's gone low, then the keeper's not getting to it. But if it's Higuain, we said earlier, if it's Higuain putting that, getting that chance, he'd probably score it. Hey, on. Upwards and onwards. Upwards and onwards, and hopefully Mitchell will actually or score something. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's all fucked. It's fine. All right, guys. Well... That is that. Let's call it a day there. Thank you very much to my two mats of the Dom Variety and the Beclair Variety, Variety, Top Lads. And if you've got 21 out of 21 in a quiz, please give us a mention on, well, give yourself a mention rather, on Twitter and we will bathe you in glory. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify. We're on the regular podcast app. And apologies if this is a bit of a sloppy edit. Mr. Don is on holiday, so we are without his magic, so it will just be me editing this pod for tonight. So if you don't like it, just bugger off and try my best. All right, so that is goodbye from me and the Matt, Mr. Matt, Dom, and Mr. Beauclair. 
Thank you for listening and see you for the Leicester reaction. Stay safe.